So today I'm going to be kind of continuing my sermon from last week about the calling and and just last week I kind of preached on joy and how joy uh, in our a part of joy in our lives is is walking out the calling of God. And today uh, my sermon is going to be coming from a short passage in Ephesians 4. So if you guys have your Bibles, uh, you guys don't have to open it, but uh, it's from Ephesians 4. One, it says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Right. And last week I preached on joy. For those of you guys that were here, um, out of Romans 8, about the kind of joy that is available to us. Right. As believers, you know, we have a joy that is above our circumstances, above what may be happening in our lives, a joy that you know, above the good and the bad things in our lives. You know, like we all go through, life is not going to always be just like this constant increase going in like, yeah, everything's, you know, like we have ups and downs, right? That's just the way that God ordained life to be. Um, and so, uh, you know, the joy that he has for us is above our circumstances, above like how our lives may be, you know, going or what we may be doing. Um, and this requires faith, right? It requires not being about what we want or what we think is good, you know, I, I go through that all the time. Like, I'm a very, my mom would say, or like even Nina and even Ethan would say that I'm very chalanchok. You know, you guys know that what that means in Korean? What's, what's like the best translation of that? Like, like a know-it-all, right? And so like, like, you know, I, I kind of have that kind of personality. I'm very like, you know, goal-driven. I'm, I'm considered like a choleric. And so, you know, I'm a very challenging, so like there's a lot, so many things I think like, oh, if, if, if I had this in my life, if I can do this, or if, if these things were set in place in my life, you know, I think everything would be perfect. But that's not the kind of life that God envisions for his, his children. Um, he, you know, he, he doesn't put us, you know, he doesn't put out fires for us. I, I said this last week, but he wants, wants us to walk through the fire, right? It says in that, you know, although we will be, you know, by rivers, in, in pastures and, you know, like, you know, like, um, in, in, in the psalm about all of the good things that comes from having God in our lives, he also talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, he, we, God is with us in the good moments and he's also with us through the valley. And so, you know, that's the kind of life that God wants for us. God wants for us a life that is above our circumstances. We transcend our circumstances. We transcend the world, right? And we're able to have a life that's focused on living our lives according to the calling that he has called us to, right? So, uh, you know, we might be able to enjoy life the way that we want it to be, but if we want to have enjoyment the way that God wants us to have, we have to trust him and our lives, and our lives, it, it comes from his will in our lives, right? And I talked kind of about that, and I started talking about that last week. I'm going to continue on with that. And um, I also talked about last week that the keys in living a life like this is God's calling. Right? God calls us. When we look at the people that God used mightily in Scripture, right? they are all called by God, and they answer God's call. Right? Like Noah, right? You know, everyone, every throughout, from the beginning, from Adam, and all of the people that, you know, you see... God uses throughout history in the Old Testament and in, even in the New Testament, we see that they all are called by God and they all answer God's call. Right? They're not perfect. Abraham was not perfect. David wasn't perfect. David committed murder, right? Like, you know, all of this, like, I'm going to tell some stories later on, but like, even Gideon, like, he doubts God. And like, all these people that are being used mightily for God, you know, they're not perfect, but they do one thing in common, and that's that they answer the call of God. Noah, Right? God comes to him, he's like, build this, you know, like this ark. I don't know how big it could have been. It must have been massive. It took a long time. But he does it. He answers the call of God. Abraham, Jacob, to jo- uh, Jacob to Joseph, Samuel to David, Esther to Ruth, right? Eliza to Elisha. They all answer the call of God. God calls them, like, hey, I want you to do this. I'm going to partner with you in doing this. And they all answer God's call. Right? All of the prophets in the New Testament, we see all the apostles and, and Paul and Barnabas and, and even Jesus Christ himself. He's the son of God, but he comes into the world, right, with what? With a calling on his life. 
The Father calls him to live this perfect life and go to the cross and, 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 and endure this, this suffering that, that can bring life and, and, and salvation for us all. And living a life of calling and one live, and a living a life that's not led by the calling of God is the difference between like, like knowing how to swim and actually swimming, right? You know, like, like you, you could try to learn how to swim. You can try to learn how to like do certain things online. Online, online, you can do, I realize you can almost do everything, anything in the world through you, YouTube, right? I really think you can. I think, I know this is kind of going kind of wrong, but I think if there was like a like a YouTube channel about heart surgery, right? Eventually, some person will like and I, I, this won't happen, but some person will actually be able to you know do heart surgery by learning it on YouTube and and in like like kind of like get the basics of it, right? And so you can get the basics of learning how to swim online, right? Or like learn how to swim, but it's very different than actually swimming yourself, right? And that's kind of like like what it is to live like in the call of God. The Bible has all of these amazing things about the plans and the purposes and like how God has like this, this like amazing life and this amazing calling for each and every one of us, right? We can actually know that, but it's another thing to actually live it out, to actually follow those examples, follow those callings, follow those like steps of obedience that God wants us to have. When we're actually walking it out in our lives, that's very different than just knowing it, right? And that's what God wants for His people. I can like teach my boys all of the things about the Bible, all of the the stories we read. Like you know, the the we have all these different versions of children's Bible. The latest one is the Lego Bible. It's actually pretty amazing. It's like the whole all of the Bible, basically from like I think it's the New Testament. And it's all like, it's all by Legos. It's like, you see, they make like, and it's really funny, there's like this baby Jesus, and then they circumcise him on the eighth day, and then you see them like the little Lego, and then like a big sword, you know. It's really funny, but we could teach them all about like the Bible, and all of the stories in the Bible, and all of the great things that God does to his people. We can teach them all of that, but it's not, that all that is just going to be head knowledge until they actually answer the call of God for their own lives, right? That's, that's my hope that like out of being a parent, out of all of the things that I want to do for my children, the one thing that I feel like, like I'll, I'll be like content in is if I can teach them to answer the call of God for their lives, for them to be like point them to Jesus and say, Hey, like that's the way. And then when they actually realize it and they're like, wow, this Jesus truly is the way. And they answer that call is what makes all of the difference. And, and it wasn't until I heard the call of God for my life that actually things started to change in my life. And for our lives to truly have meaning in this life, for us to find meaning in this world, we have to hear the and answer the call of God for our lives. Right? Uh, we may think that money and prestige and wealth and material things, you know, like cars, houses, and you know, can bring meaning into your life. But we see throughout the story of this, of the world that this isn't true. You might think that in being married and having kids can bring meaning into your life, but it it, it really that really isn't true. I've, I've met plenty of people with that are rich that that you know they they, they don't know what what the meaning of life is. You, you have people that are married and have kids, and, and on the outside they look like they have the perfect life, they have the perfect job, and 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 then you you kind of dive into their lives and you see that they're living these lives where just they just lives feel meaningless. Right? Like rich men with beautiful wives that cheat on their, on their, on, on their wives, or you have like parents that are trying to control their kids and trying to bring meaning into their own lives by controlling and manipulating their kids. You know, rich people making more money than they can spend in their lifetime, and they're just like, you know, some of them are killing themselves, and some of them are, are living these lives where you know, like they have everything and yet everything f- feels meaningless. Things of this world may seem meaningful for a while, you know, it may sparkle for a while, but it's not going to give you true light and revelation into your life. In the end, everything in this world will fade away and fail us, but God 
He tells that He will satisfy us with good. Only He can bring true meaning into our lives. The meaning that we know it to be as followers of God. Now, if I'm not a Christian, if not, I'm not a believer, I can find a, a lot of meaning out there, right? There's, there's a, like, if you go to the self-help books of any kind of bookstore, I don't know if bookstores actually exist anymore, but I think they still do in Korea, but I'm sure there's like a self-help section where there's a bunch of people that believe that if you read this book and you follow the steps, that they will be able to find some kind of meaning in their lives. And they might be able to do that. But as people that have had the revelation and the truth of the gospel instilled in our lives, and we know that Jesus Christ truly is Lord, right? what can truly transform our lives is for us to understand and answer the, the, the calling that, of God that is over our lives. He's the one that created us. He's the one that knew us before the foundation of the world. The Bible says that He knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb, right? And only He can give us the life that He has designed us for. And it comes from His calling. Saying like, God, You are my God, and You created me for a purpose. Now I want to know that purpose. Now like, like you see these days in all of the entertainment about the multiverse, that there's like an infinite, like, you know, there's all these things, the infinite version of, of, of us out there in the multiverse, you know, if you, I don't know if you guys saw Doctor Strange. That's a very like, you know, it's a very uh, new age film. It doesn't have the best message, right? But like, like the world starts, it's starting to believe that there's like, like mid, like, like infinite amount of like us out there in the universe. But when we read the Word of God, it said it's the complete opposite of that. It says out of all of the the the, the beings that could have existed in history, He chose us. He chose me right? to look like this. I, I'm sure he, he has reason for me to look like this. You know, like to, to act a certain way, to have a certain personality, to be, to live a, a life in a way that God, he says, like, I've planned that. I've destined that for, like, in throughout eternity for there to be only one Caleb Lee, only one Melvin Diaz, right? And, and there's meaning and there's power in understanding that calling, that He knew us before the, the, the foundation of the world. He, he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. And He called us out of the darkness into His marvelous light. That word light in the Greek is phos, right? And it means light, light, it means the light that shines from a lamp, but metaphorically it means truth, right? We know that in, throughout the book of the, the, throughout the Bible, right, whenever they talk about, um, light, right, and in a metaphorical way, they're always talking about revelation and truth, knowledge, understanding, reason, it's meaning. He calls us out of the darkness and the futility of this world, and he brings us into his light, his truth, his understanding, his meaning, his will, his calling. That, that's the, that's the amazing aspect of a relationship with God. Like, there's like, like, there's like a, like, if we truly had the mind of the world, we would think like, oh, there's an infinite way that I can live my life, right? There's like an infinite, like, way that I can, like, dress, I could have worn pink today, I could have done this, I could have done that. The infinite number of, of ways that we could live and we can be living out there, right? That's what the world thinks, right? But it's, but what God wants us to do is like discovering out of that infinite, Discovering that one God's perfect plan and will for our lives, right? And discovering that through a relationship with Him. And, and it's knowing that, right? That's, that's, that is the radical difference between answering the call of God for our lives and then just, just, just living our lives based on whatever may happen in this world. Right? It's like a thoroughbred. I don't know if you guys know how thoroughbreds are, but thoroughbreds are bred, you know, like, like, like certain, like, thoroughbred, like, horses, like, you know, like, things can cost, like, a lot of money. And things, I mean, you know, like, how, how horses make more horses, right? And it's because they, they're, they're like the, the best of the best have been bred to, like, be the fastest and to, and to be the strongest and to be, like, you know, the leanest and most, like, like the, the most quick and agile and fast horses that are out there. 
and it's and it's selectively bred for centuries to be the most agile, streamlined, and the fastest horse in the world. And they were designed for weight racing. They were designed to go fast. And it's like a thoroughbred horse being used to pull a cart, to plow a field. When it's calling, its specific design is for it to race and go fast. And we as children of God, we have been called by God, designed by God to follow His calling for us. But many of us, we end up following down the path of our own understanding, you know, and then we, we start following the ways of the world and we go start following the, the things that we can find out there for ourselves. And, and, and we can be having what God has designed us for to be a thoroughbred out there. I've designed you like this. I want you to find this in your life. And the amazing thing is we find it right, through a relationship with Him. You can have a, a good life following your own understanding. You can enjoy the things of this world. You can you know, have that career. You can own that house. You can be married. You can have kids. Right? You can go on vacation, have a nest egg, and, and live in luxury throughout your golden years. Right? And these things are not bad. I'm not saying that like having nice things is bad, but God doesn't want to keep these things from us. But you are not going to know what God deems good for your life if you're not answering His call for your life. And you have to answer God's call for your life. People think that they're like going they're going to be poor, right? That that you know, if I follow God's calling for my life, it's not going to be fun. So a lot of people think like if I follow God's calling for my life, I'm just going to live a boring life, you know, going to church all, every Sunday and not doing anything fun, blah blah blah, and then they want to they want a life with adventure, right? They want adventure. And yes, Christianity can be considered an adventure in some way, but I have a better word to describe the life that God has for His people, right? Through His calling, and it's a quest. There is a difference between a quest and an adventure. Tim Keller loves J.R.R. Tolkien. Who likes Tolkien? Anybody read Tolkien? I ended up reading a lot of Tolkien, you know, because when I had, I had a lot of time in my hands a long time ago. I read almost all of the Lord of the Rings books. I read The Hobbit. And um, and this is what Keller says about Tolkien's writing. He's, he really loves Tolkien's work. And he says that a lot of people get discouraged by Tolkien's work because they read The Hobbit first, right? They go and they read The Hobbit first. And they say The Hobbit... And he says that Ho- The Hobbit is a children's book, right? And it's an adventure. And in an, an adventure, someone goes out, accomplishes something, and they come back. And no real change happens to the adventurer, right? But he says that the difference between the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series is that the series is a quest. You're called into a quest. When you go on a quest, you usually don't come back. And if you do, you're so transformed, the quest has changed you in such a way and in such a matter that the person that comes back is a completely different person because you're on a quest. That's the difference between the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, and that's the difference between an adventure and a quest. Right? And we can see that in the Lord of the Rings. They set out on this quest that they're called to go. The Fellowship of the Ring. Who remembers the movie? Right? I, I love the movie. Me and Mina, it's one of our favorite movies. I think we've seen it multiple times. They go on this epic quest, and the main characters are radically changed by the end of the quest. Frodo isn't the same loving hobbit. This, you know, like Frodo, at the end, he's like a little crazy, right? Uh, and then you see, um, who's the main guy? The, the guy with the long hair? I think his name, I think he starts out like, he starts out as a warrior, just like a regular warrior. I think his name is Strider, right? And then he's just like a, like a hired gun, hired sword kind of person. But in the end, we see him as the king. There's this radical transformation that comes over his life. There, Aragorn. Is that his name? Aragorn. Right? And, and what God has for us in His calling is not just an adventure, but it's a quest. He's called us on this quest and we will experience things, good and bad, and we will live a life where we don't just come back, but we're mad, radically transformed. And meaning comes from that transformation. That's what God wants for His people. And that, that, that 
transformation and that quest, it comes from answering the call of God for your life. A lot of us see God's calling as something that we will do. And yes, it involves that, but it's so much more. It, 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 it ultimately means, you know, that it, it's about who we will be, not so much to do with what we will do. It's about being transformed, right? As we take steps out in obedience and as we continue to follow God's calling for our lives, right, we are transformed and we become somebody new, somebody transformed. We see, a lot of times we see our callings as a function, right? But God wants to focus on our form. It's like Pinocchio, right? There's a new Pinocchio movie that's coming out. Who wants to watch it? It's coming out on um, Disney Plus. If you guys want to watch it, there's a new Pino- live-action Pinocchio movie coming up, for, and it's it's like Pinocchio, right? It's like like average person Pinocchio would just be a puppet, right? Like these terrifying puppets on this wall. There's Pinocchio right there, right? For the average person, he's just a puppet. They would be concerned about making him function, right? Like what to pull and what to drag and what to like manipulate for him to function, to move his arms and move his legs. But for Gebetto, he wanted a real boy. And when Pinocchio came to life, he didn't see him as some wood and some strings to function. He saw him as who he was, a boy. He was a real life boy. If, if calling was just what he wanted us to do, Right? If God's calling involved just things that He wanted us to do, He could just tell us to do it. Right? He can just make it so that we have no other choice. Josh, you, you know, like you will grow up to be a Korean businessman with two kids, you know, and a dog, I know, a cat, right? Living in Busan and then owning this and doing that, and then you will do accomplish this in your life. Here's your ticket, go and, and discover your thing, right? We could, like, like if God wanted us to, just for function, He could have made us and He could have formed us and He could have given us the, like, like what we, He wanted us to do. Tell us. He could have just told us. I want you to go and become a missionary, Melvin. I want you to, Paul, to go and, and fly airplanes and, 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 you know, like, do, do many adventurous things. He could have told us, but His calling has less to do with what we do. But the kind has more to do with the kind of person that's doing it. Right? Who you are, and it involves answering his call, obeying his word, and experiencing the things that he wants us to experience, so that as so that what is forged in the end is a person that he's that is that he's meant for us to be, not not just do. He doesn't want us to just do things. He wants us to be. We form our meaning for our lives when we discover what He has meant for us to be. It's sanctification. Let me tell you, we, we, we think sanctification is all the same for everyone, but that's no fun. God has a distinctive plan to sanctify you. God has a distinctive plan to sanctify you, a specific plan to transform you, change you, and make you into who, you, who He wants you to be. So that's calling, right? That's calling. That's the calling of God for our lives. It doesn't just involve us saying yes to Him at the beginning when we say, Oh Jesus, I accept you into my heart. I receive you as my Lord. It's not just that, right? We can all do that, right? But it's also about a life following that calling, right? Where God's gonna lead you and guide you and saying, God, God's gonna tell you, like, I want you to do this and you may not want to do that. And yet you follow Him. Right? And in following Him, we're able to experience the transformation and the quest that He has for each and every one of us. And so how? How do we hear God's call for our lives? Well, we have to first tackle what, like, what we see as His calling, right? What is His calling? There are different ways we have to see God's calling. God's calling first started when we, He called you to put your trust in, and faith in Him. And when you were saved, you answered God's call for your life. When He came and convicted you and sought after you, and you felt His love and grace for the first time, that was His calling. Remember, we all remember that moment. I remember feeling like, oh, like having that moment a long time ago when I was in like middle school and thinking like, oh, like, like 
Jesus is real. I remember like thinking like, oh, Jesus, he's real. And I, could, I felt him so close. I remember like making this tangible decision. It's like, oh, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to put my faith in him because he is real, right? We all kind of go through that. And we have to tackle the notion that God's calling isn't just that, right? A lot of people, we think that that's it. That's the calling of God in my life. I answered his calling. He asked me to put my trust and faith in him. And I did, you know, when I was in this old in my life. And then that, that's, 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 that's about it, right? That's when, that's the calling of God in my life. There's so much more. That's not what, what God's calling is all about in your life. It's not, it's, or some people think like, oh, my God's calling is, is just the vocation that I will have. Right? Melvin, when we first met, he explained his job to me and it was super complicated. It's about like sending water into the ground, I don't know, and like some chemicals and some reactions. And, and, and I was like, what are you talking about, right? Right? But then that's not his calling. That, that's just a job that he will have. That's just a vocation and a career that he will have throughout his, in this part of his life. Some of you, some of you guys feel like, you know, God wants me to be a teacher. God wants me to be a doctor. God wants me to, yeah, that's all like a, an aspect of your calling, right? God wants me to be a full-time minister, right? That's an aspect of my calling, but that's not the full nature of your, the calling that God has placed in your life. But it just doesn't end at what you do. You know, that's how you get people that go into seminary. I've known many people that went into seminary, like, like with the, with the fear of the Lord and with like the fire of God in his life. And then they come out of seminary and they're disillusioned. They don't go into ministry. They just use that degree to do something in their life. God's calling is less about function. It's all about relationship. His calling is about connection with Him. His, his calling is about constantly being challenged by Him, being shaped by Him, formed by Him. People want to know what God's calling is for their lives, and they want like direction, destination. They want to know like like what, where, and how I'm going to get there. But God doesn't work that way. He's saying like, "Hey, your calling is a relationship with Me." See, we see it with Abraham, right? talked about it last week god calls him to these like crazy things he's like hey i want you to leave all your family behind and where am i supposed to go i'll tell you when you get there i want you to trust in me that you're going to have a son right that that comes from your lineage and through through your wife and he's like how he's like well i'll tell you when it gets there and here's the number one key in hearing and answering god's call for your life and the number one key in, in, in hearing and answering God's call for your life is obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. There is no way around it. There is no like life hack around obedience. When you have heart of obedience to God, you're able to hear and discover the call of God on your life. Right? If you're not living your life in obedience to God, right, you're not going to be able to hear what God has for your life. It, it, it's, it starts with obedience. From that initial step of obedience, when you said, yes, God, I put my faith and hope in you, right? it starts there, but it doesn't end there. So many people have these superficial, like just a very shallow relationship with God where they believe that the answer that they gave when they first was given the question about Jesus, they're like, oh, I, I accept him into my heart. And then they think that that was it. Right? And there was no other obedience that was to be lived out. But but answering God's calling when we, we accept Him into our hearts, that's the first step in, obe- in in a lifetime of obedience to God. You can't, there is no way around God's calling for our lives and obedience. Right? There, there just isn't. Right? Like, Ethan, you know, he, he, he can't do what I want him to do without obeying me. Right? That's just the way that life is. Abraham walked in God's call for his life and it came from obedience where he, God tell him, do this. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. Right? And we see that throughout all of the significant people throughout history in, in the Bible. Gideon, right? 
He's hiding in a wine press. You guys know the story about Gideon. He's hiding in a wine press. You know, he's hiding from the Midianites. They said that the Midianite army was like sands on the on the sea, right? If you've ever gone out into Helende and try to count the number of sands, it's impossible, right? It's just like it's like a flood, like a sea of people. And Midian, I mean, not uh, Gideon is just she's freaked out. He's she's scared of him. They've come and they took in their food, and so now he's hiding out in this wine press and he's threshing wheat. He's trying to separate the the wheat from the chaff, and he's trying to get like you know feed himself. And then God comes to him and he says, hey, I want you to you know, go against the Midianites. I'm going to deliver them into your hands. And he's like, God's like, you know what? There's, you have too many people. And, and, and Gideon's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't have that many. There's like a, a sea of people out there. There's like 30,000 of us. I don't know what you want us to do. And then it says that God tells him, you have too many men. And so Gideon obeys and has all of the men sh- shaken in fear to go home. And 22,000 men took off. Right? He's left with 10,000 men. And God says again, he's like, you know what? I still, You still have too much men. You still have too many men. And I would have been like, God, you're crazy. <laughs> I went from 30,000 men to 10,000 men. And then God says, I want you to t- send your men out to... To drink water and the, and the ones that like, you know, bury their face in the water like the animal, like the dogs, they lap it off of the ground, right? You're gonna tell them to go home and the ones that cup the water in their hands and look into the distance and they know, you know, who's, who's coming, like those, you, I want you guys, I want you to like gather up. And at the end, there's 300 men left, right? Out of like 32,000 men, there's 300 men left. And God tells Gideon, with 300 men that lapped up the water from their hands, I shall defeat the Midianites. 300 men, right? And what, what does he do? He obeys. He goes out there and then they, they defeat the Midianites. He hears and he answers the call of God for his life through obedience. Jonah, he literally would rather die than answer God's call for his life and yet God didn't give up on him. He goes out there into the sea and they're like, he's at the point where he's like, dude, just kill me. Right? The storm is coming because of me. Throw me in the water. Right? And they throw him in the water. And then a fish comes and, and and swallows him for three days and he ends up, what does he end up doing? He ends up following God's call for his life through obedience. The key is obedience. Now you might be asking the question, well, how do I, you know, how do I hear God's call so that I can be obedient, right? And these are the three steps I want to give you today. The first one is be obedient in the mundane, everyday moments of your life. And this is very important because this is this is how God speaks to me. I feel like like seventy percent of the time. Right? Be obedient in the Monday, everyday moments of your life. People think that they will hear this one call where God's in His audible voice is going to say, "This and go do this out in the world, and then you're going to bring glory to my name." And you're going to audibly hear him say this and you're going to be like, wow, God, thank you. I don't know anybody in this world that has had God reveal himself to them like that in in real life. I I know a few that may have heard the audible voice of the Lord, but I've never seen anybody that hears from the Lord like that. You see, God is looking for for your obedience in in the little everyday moments of your life. We see this play out in the parable of the tenants and the minas, where he says, well, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Right? Hearing God's call for your life involves you being obedient in the everyday, Monday moment, moments of your life. How you treat your coworker, how you treat your wives and your husband, being honest in your everyday moments, being, you know, like loving when you, when you drive. It's my weakness, right? Being generous, tithes and offering, right? It's a, it's a great example, right? Tithes and offering, just a great example of, of how you can be faithful and obedient in the mundane moments, right? In the, in the little moments. There's that part, part in Mark 12 where Jesus and his disciples are sitting outside of the, the synagogue. And he sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. 
and watch the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents, calling his disciples to him. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Now I'm gonna, you know, I feel like, you know, this is something that I'm gonna preach, you know, coming up soon about tithing and, and whatnot, but, you know, if you have a heart that wants to bring glory to God by creating wealth for His kingdom, right, we have to learn to be faithful in the little things now, right? Be faithful in tithing, be faithful in offerings, right? But, he, but here's God's promise, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. God isn't like so concerned about the big moments, right? He's not like answering you to like expecting you to be like, all right, all right I'm going to give up everything that I own. I'm going to give up my earthly possession. I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to go and I'm going to minister to like, you know, this people group, and to the day I die, like God, God's not expecting these grandiose moments of obedience out of our lives. What He's looking for is faithfulness and obedience in the in the mundane moments of our lives. Right? How are you? How are you living up to the the quiet, un, un mundane moments where you're alone? There's nobody out there, just you. Are you being faithful? Are you being Are you being, you know, obedient to the Lord? I remember hearing this one sister talk about like her workplace, and this is a long time ago. And I'm not going to use any names. It doesn't involve anybody that's been in New, New Philly, Busan, so you guys don't have to think about it. Right? But like I remember this this sister came up to us, right, and they were talk, talking about like how how disillusioned she is because she's also a Christian about like her coworker, right, and the coworker was one of the leaders at our church, right? not not New Philly, Busan, but our bigger church. This is a long time ago, and then and then I was like like like. They knew each other, right? But then she would observe him being like, number one, being so lazy. Right? He would like come in always late. He would complain to the Korean people. He would like be slacking off. He would, he would yell and be like super mad and angry all through, you know, like, you know, during his classes and all this stuff. And then, and then she came to us and was like, I have lost like complete respect for this guy. And then it's like, it's making me question the church. Because he's actually a leader in your church, right? And I remember hearing that and thinking like, oh my goodness, like, like, and I'm not going to mention who this person is, you don't have to know, but I, I'm thinking like, oh, like, it's, it's so important how we, like, carry ourselves and how we live our lives in the, in the mundane, everyday moments of our lives. Right? This guy didn't know that he had somebody that was kind of watching him and thinking like, dude, what's going on? Things aren't matching up, right? But you know what? We have an audience 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. He's always, and it sounds a little, a little creepy, but like God is always watching us. He's always there. And, and, and what he's looking for is, is obedience and faithfulness in the mundane moments of our lives. Right? When we're just living our lives. Are you being faithful in the mundane moments? God is looking for not just obedience, but an obedient heart. A heart that obeys when it doesn't seem like it matters much. A heart that obeys when no one's looking. Because it it is a heart like that is able to, like a heart like that is able to hear God's voice and is able to answer God's call for their lives. It's a heart like this that when God calls them to something that would make them uncomfortable, God calls them to something difficult, something challenging, and they obey and they answer his call. So it it happens in those mundane moments, those everyday moments that you live your life. And number two is the word of God is, is the word of God in prayer is key in hearing God's call for your life. You can't hear God's call for your life without the word of God and prayer in your life. Hebrews 4.11 it says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God speaks to us through the word of God, through scripture, and through prayer. It's the primary way that God is going to communicate to us. Here's the thing. We will not be able to hear from God without us taking in the word of God and communing with him in prayer. Right? That's just the basics. Right? I can't expect to pass a class if I don't read the textbook. And we can't expect to hear from God without talking to him. Right? He speaks to us through his word and through a life of prayer. That's our main mode of communication. You know, and, and our church, you know, we, we have a, we have a somewhat prophetic church. We have people that are very prophetic. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want for all of us to discover and grow in your gifts. But if you're like after a, like a prophetic word and you're not in the word and in prayer to hear from him, you're after the wrong things. A prophetic word will always come from and will be in confirmation to what you are hearing from God's word and through your life of prayer. The more prophetic you are, the more you have to be in his word and prayer. It says, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? A, a prophetic word must be rooted in scripture and administered by the Holy Spirit. Some of us, we want to hear this prophetic voice from God about what, what to do with our lives. And, you know, God's, you know, speaks that way sometimes, right? But a lot of times I guarantee you, you won't, Hear or know what to do with the word that you get from God if you're not cultivating a life of being in the word of God and, and cultivating a life, living a life of prayer in your life. Right? That, that's, that's how God chooses to communicate. Right? That's how God chooses to communicate. He chooses to communicate through his word and he chooses to communicate through, through, through prayer and through connection. And then the third and final step is cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we do this through the Word, through prayer, through worship, through obedience. And we live a life where every day we acknowledge, that's the key word, it's to acknowledge. And we surrender and yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, like I, I mentioned, the key word is acknowledge. Holy Spirit is a person, right? When you, pr when you talk about the Holy Spirit, you should never like talk about it as if it's a, an object like oh it's it's here or you know the holy person is a is a person he has a he has a personality right and he 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 wants to be acknowledged right? he wants to be acknowledged have you ever gone in for a handshake or like a high five and then like you're like high five and the guy just like like just doesn't even know you're there and just like ignores you that happens a lot of time and i always feel humiliated right I like, you're like, hey, how you doing? And then you, the guy doesn't see you and they just like walk right by and you're like, oh yeah. You know, you don't know what to do with that hand, right? We, we want that acknowledgement, right? But the Holy Spirit, right? He's a person. He's God. And he, he, he wants to interact with us and he wants to connect with us, right? And we have to acknowledge that he is there. That's a very important word when it comes to the Holy Spirit, right? We have to acknowledge that his that his presence is in our lives. Do you know how to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is in your life? Right? You you watch what you do. You watch what you watch. You watch what you say. Right? As the Bible says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Right? If I right now leave this and go off to like some kind of bar and pick up a girl and we get drunk, and that that's not. I'm not like acknowledging the presence of God in my life. Right? If I like, like to acknowledge God's presence, Holy Spirit is God. To acknowledge is God's presence. What does that look like? How, how, how do we bring, bring that about in our lives? And I want to give you Galatians 5.16. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your heart, right? And, 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 and it's about yielding, right? That word walk, right? Walk. In, in the Greek, it's a, it's a, in, in the Greek, can be translated as yield, right? To conduct one's life according to, to regulate one's life according to, right? So to acknowledge the Holy Spirit is to yield to the Holy Spirit. 
I want to say that again. To acknowledge the Holy Spirit is to yield to the Holy Spirit. It's acknowledging that His presence is here in my life. Right? And then when, as I'm living my life, He speaks to me through His Word and through prayer. And then it's yielding to what He has to say in my life. Right? As yielding. The Greek word for, for walk, it, it can be literally translated as to yield. So when our flesh rises up, and we know that it does sometimes, right? we yield to the Holy Spirit. As we live a life yielding and being led by the Spirit of God, that's when we're able to hear and answer God's call for our lives. He doesn't come with an audible voice every time. I have yet to like experience this like, audible voice where God tells me exactly what to do. But I have been led by the Spirit of God. So when our flesh rises up and we know it like like and, and we know that we're in our flesh, right? And, and and Holy Spirit will talk to us and speak to us in those moments. Right? If you're in the Word of God, and if you're in living a life of prayer, I guarantee you when your flesh life starts to rise up, the Word of God and, and your relationship in prayer with God will will will, will start to affect your heart. And when you're able to hear and answer his call for us, right? God is so much more relational with his people. He's all about like conversing and communion with his people. It's not about a bunch of rules. If it was about a bunch of rules, he could have made us so that we couldn't have like free will. We'd all be robots. And we're all doing what we're like, you know what we're commanded to do by God, and we have no other choice. Uh, God is so much more relational in how He deals with His people. You know how we know? You know how I know? It's because Jesus was like that. Jesus didn't just like give out a bunch of rules. He was so relational in how He dealt with people. He would go and He would converse with them. Zacchaeus, He's like, hey, I need need you to come down. I need to go to your house and I need to have dinner with you. He'll go, he'll go to places and he'll be like, hey, I want to, I want to eat with you. I want to dine with you. I want to like spend time with you. He goes through Samaria and meets the woman and he had no right talking to this woman. This woman had no right talking to Jesus. And yet Jesus goes out of his way and he goes to this woman and he gives her and he talks about like life and talks about salvation and brings, brings revelation and truth and salvation into the, the, the woman that's sitting at the well, right? Galatians talks about it. The spirit increases, the flesh decreases. And if the flesh increases, the spirit decreases. If you want to hear God's call for your life, you have to cultivate a relationship of being led and being yielding to the to the spirit of God. And it's in the yielding where we'll learn to talk to God. Now I want to close with this, and I've, I've talked this about this point. It's really important, but we have to be mindful of the fact that God's calling for you is not so much what God wants you to do, but how He wants you to be. His character, transformation. It's about the journey. It's about the quest. God has you on a process. And His call for your life is the process. We have to stop looking at God's call as a function. God's not about function. He's all about relationship. God doesn't need function because He can do anything. There's nothing that He can't do. God didn't need Solomon to build a temple for Him. Right? He didn't. He didn't have to like you know. He doesn't need me to to do anything. But when it comes down to it, He chooses relationship with His people. He chooses to connect and 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 be in communion with His people. Brothers and sisters, God has a calling for each and every one of you. You know, he may want you to be a doctor, a teacher, a pastor, a mother, a father, a husband, a wife. He may want you to be president of the United States or a president of Korea. But he's less concerned about what you do and more about the type of person that's doing it. And you will hear his call for your life and you will live a life of obedience in his word as you yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit.
and he shapes and forms us to be the person that he had he imagined even before the foundation of the world I want to end with this last verse. It's Romans 11, 29. It says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. If you are in Christ Jesus, the calling that He has given you is irrevocable. This is grace. It means even if you mess up, no matter what you're, you know, even if you might make the wrong decision in your life, if you are in Christ Jesus, His calling for you is irrevocable. That's the Word of God. I'll close with this last verse in John 15, 4. It says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it, abide, it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage us all to live a life of calling. Don't just live a life where you're just going with the, the, the way of the world, just going willy-nilly with whatever the world has to offer us. Don't like base your life according to just like, you know, your decisions based on the decisions of your, of your life and, 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 you know, in your own understanding. But I want to encourage you all to live a life of calling where you are connected to God, where you're, where you're being led and you're yielding to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your life. Because as we do so, we will be transformed. We will be shaped. We will be become that character or that person on that quest that God has us on. And we not only go and see adventurous things, but we are being made, we are transformed and we are being made new and we are being revealed to become the person that God has for us through the calling that He has for each and every one of us. Let's all stand up and we'll close with this prayer. Lord, we just we thank you and we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. And we thank you, Lord, that you bring us into this life through a calling. You call each and every one of us. When you called us, you said, you told us to put our faith in you. And that wasn't just a momentary decision that we made. That wasn't just a decision just for that moment alone, but it was an, a moment it was an answer to a call that would lead to a, a life of being obedient and living our lives according to your calling for our lives. May we not be led by our whims and may we not be led by the voices of the world and through the ways of the world and, 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 and through the ways of our flesh. But Lord, may we base our lives and may we look to our lives Lord, according to the calling that we, we each and every one have been called to be your son, to be your child, to be uh, uh, made into a new creation where we experience not just the, the joys that we can bring into our lives, but we enjoy the fullness of, of your perfect will for our lives. We thank you. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. We thank you, Lord. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.